Welcome to Deal of the Week, Bloomberg's podcast on the world of mergers and acquisitions. I'm your host, Alex Sherman. Another big Bloomberg deal scoop this week. Time for some self-promotion music. Sarah, Sarah Patterson, our producer, if you can edit in some a sound effect here in post-production. Uh, Bloomberg broke the news this week that PSA Group, which makes European car brands Peugeot and Citroën, that's my best French accent for you, is in talks with GM to buy General Motors European business known as Opel or Vauxhall in the UK. And if a deal happens, PSA would become the second largest European car maker after Volkswagen. Joining us are two people that helped break the story for Bloomberg, Bloomberg m reporter Ed Hammond and Global Deals executive editor Jeff McCracken. Welcome back, gentlemen. Thank you. Good to be here. Jeff, let's start with you. Uh, American audiences may not be familiar with these European car brands, so is there a way to sort of explain uh, like what these cars are exactly? Do, are they sort of like other you, you know, uh, American cars. Here's what's important to know. GM has owned Opel and Vauxhall since 1925 and 1929. So when GM was being built, going back to the 20s and the, the teens and the 20s and 30s, when they were buying everything that existed, Chevrolet and Buick, et cetera, Pontiac, et cetera, this was, these were two of the assets that they bought. I would say they have not made money in Europe since the 90s. So this goes back 20 years that these two assets that they've owned for, for decades and decades have been money losers. And it got worse this year after the Brexit vote. They thought they were finally going to break even this year, and it got worse when the currency got disrupted after the Brexit vote. And why were they losing so much money? Same story as why they lost money in the United States? You know, it's harder to get rid, and Ed might be able to speak more on this, but it's harder to get rid of employees in Europe. Um, the unions are stronger there. The protections for the workers are stronger there. And they've never been able to really do the consolidation that they needed to. Back in 2009, people may or may, or may not recall this, after GM came out of bankruptcy, Fritz Henderson, who was the CEO for a short period of time, tried to sell the European assets, which are more than 50,000 employees, revenues of like close to 20 billion a year, tried to sell it off to this Russian outfit and um, uh, an auto supplier that were interested in buying it, and the board at GM blocked it. All right, Ed, you're our resident European. So like, what, what are these car companies for Americans that don't know? Are these small little European cars that I'm used to seeing? Are they race cars? Uh, they are s everything from sort of small entry level cars. I think most people in the UK certainly would have at some point owned or had a friend who owned a Vauxhall Corsa, which is the kind of smallest uh, car that Opel or Vauxhall produce. And they're basically the same. So an Opel is the same as a Vauxhall. They're just different badges. Uh, one in the UK, obviously one in continental Europe for the left hand, right hand drive difference. Um, they they're pretty much run-of-the-mill cars like you would expect gm to produce out here nothing too fancy nothing too big um and the interesting thing is they you know they've held up reasonably well as jeff was saying their sales in europe actually were up slightly in 2016 versus 15 they were up by about five percent um but because of the negative impact of the brexit and therefore the pound versus the dollar currency movements they they did lose some more money in europe um this year or rather 2016 versus the previous year um, so it is it is a difficult business for them. And the other thing to think about Europe in terms of the car market that's very different to the US is it's essentially a series of disparate markets. It's not one market, although they obviously do produce, uh, you know, really only one model or one or one type of car. You have so many different restrictions on the way you can sell cars, the way you have to employ people to produce those cars across the different markets in the continent and in the UK. So give us a little bit of size and scope, Ed. Just how big is this company from not only a valuation standpoint, but also a pure sales standpoint. You mentioned sales were up. What are we talking about? 
So of of GM's um, sort of total global sales, which are roughly ten billion uh, units in uh, ten million units, sorry, in um, 2016, of that, Opel Vauxhall accounted for about 1.2 million, uh, which, as I say, was sort of flat versus last year, and that that seems to be roughly the amount that they've been producing going back a while. Uh, if you take Peugeot as a comparison, and Europe obviously is is uh, PSA's largest market. They have some very big brands there, Citroen, you mentioned Peugeot, obviously, as well. Um, they do about 1.9 million in Europe, which is a, is a big proportion of their global total. As I say, you're by far the largest market for them. So putting these two together, you are going to have, um, by quite some distance, I think the second largest um, manufacturer in Europe by volume after, um, after VW. So what does that translate in, in revenue numbers? So for revenue numbers um, in uh, in Europe, they had uh, let's see, that's actually a very good question, and I should be able to break that out quite. I quickly. believe it's close to twenty billion. Twenty yeah. billion. Yes. All right. So that's for GM. Just to be clear, that's for Opel, Vauxhall, and yeah. yes, correct. Just for GM, yeah. and it's roughly the last numbers I saw. So these are four or five years ago. There were roughly fifty-five thousand employees, as I said okay. earlier, at uh, GM's uh, European operations. So Jeff, how do you value a twenty billion dollar revenue? business with that many employees with all of the pension liabilities that go along the with auto it. industry is perhaps the best um destroyer of shareholder value that's ever existed on the face of the earth uh, they're better than most of the tech companies that uh, you know existed in the 90s and your internet companies um so for 20 billion dollars gm might be lucky with all that revenue with all those people they might be lucky to get two or three billion dollars for this asset and a lot is going to depend on how much of the pension obligations and the liabilities that GM will keep and how much of that will go over to Peugeot. And, and you might have a situation where GM actually pays some money uh, or takes on some of the liabilities, keeps the liabilities on their books, and is basically saying, please, take this off our hands. And this has been something that uh, their, their CEO, Mary Barra, has been trying to do for, for years. So why are we finally seeing this now? In part, they've, they've done a good job the last couple of years at GM um, streamlining Opel and Vauxhall, making getting closer to break even, um, making some progress in terms of market share, and I think the other reason really is, as I was saying earlier, Mary Barra, the CEO who's on the job now, roughly three years, she's been getting rid of businesses uh, in Russia and in other parts of the world where she not only. She does not see a way to make money now. She does not see a future where they're going to make money. So do we have any idea how this deal is going to be structured? Is this going to be a a cash takeover from Peugeot to GM? Is there stock involved? Do we know that yet? I think it's hard to see a, a situation where there's stock involved. So I think it will essentially be a cash deal. The, the big question is, to you know, how much does Peugeot end up ultimately paying for this because as jeff mentioned this business is gm europe business has huge potentially huge pension liabilities and if peugeot were to assume all of those liabilities then it's you know you could see them paying a kind of headline number for the asset that would appear very low but obviously within that they're assuming a, a ton of a ton of issues and this is this would be something that would be relevant to any automaker anywhere in Europe and probably in the US as well. These are companies that are very, very labor intensive. They tend to be very heavily unionized. Therefore, you can't just buy the asset, get rid of the employees, streamline it. You have to actually buy the asset and assume all of those liabilities in Europe. Obviously, that's a particular issue because, as Jeff mentioned at the top, you have uh, very, very strong worker protections, particularly on the continent.
So no stock, meaning that the idea would be GM would be clean out of Europe. That would be the end of GM in Europe. That would be the end of GM in Europe. And look, they, they as as Jeff mentioned, this is something they've been wanting to do for a while. I think uh, they they sold Peugeot, was staking their European business some time ago, and that was at the, at that point seen as a sort of recognition on GM's part that the the European business was not something they wanted to be in forever, and it was it was already starting to kind of stumble then. Yeah, and the investors in GM are are happy with this deal. You know, looking right now, GM is up uh, about a dollar seventy. So you know, uh, the, 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 they've been trying. Mary and the team since the bankruptcy has been pretty successful at making more money at GM than they were making before. You know, they've they've cut the U, the UAW wages and compensation here in the United States, so they can actually make money or at least break even on most of the cars, and then make a lot of money on their bigger trucks, their Silverados or their Escalades. Uh, but the shareholders haven't necessarily been all that happy. They've struggled since their IPO to really get their share price up. So the fact that they're up, as I said, like a dollar sixty, dollar seventy on one day is a pretty good uh, pretty good affirmation of this transaction peugeot also up about five percent today does that make sense i think it does i mean look it gives peugeot an increased presence in europe which is as i said their biggest market um i think there were, there were already some aspects of this business that they were sharing right so they obviously the models are different but i think they were sharing some kind of uh processes the chassis, around, I believe, the, uh, yeah. yeah around the chassis of the cars so this essentially gives Peugeot increase scale without huge complications in terms of integration. So it's something the investors will like. It's also a deal, you know, for Peugeot. They after Renault Nissan, they're, they're you know they were the second biggest in France. I think they're now going to be the biggest, and this is a way of them getting that scale in a fairly straightforward, fairly cost-effective way that doesn't see them taking on huge risk. And I think the investors are probably rewarding them as much as anything else for that. Yeah, the thought is if you get a certain size, a certain scale, then you can often save money on all the parts because you know, the automakers don't make usually they're not making your instrument panel, they're not making your the carpeting that's in the car, they're not making the seats in the car, the steering wheel, the air conditioning. So you know, if they've got more scale, they're not instead of just, you know, one and a half million, two, two million, you're over three million, maybe even over four million, you can often squeeze the suppliers and get better pricing. And that there's a some savings down the road. Is there any chance that this deal spurs more deals, either cross border or just in Europe among car makers? I, I think the one company people are going to keep an eye on is Fiat Chrysler. You know, Sergio Marchionne has been pretty open. In fact, was it two years ago, he tried to convince GM that they ought to do a big merger, and GM rejected that. And GM in general feels like mergers, especially at the size GM is, they're still the largest automaker in the United States, though they're not the largest in the world anymore. They don't feel like mergers do much for them. But I think if you keep an eye on Fiat Chrysler, I wouldn't be surprised if they try to negotiate a deal. By the way, I should back up a little bit. How confident do you guys think we are that this deal actually happens? I think we're, I would give it 80, 90% confidence. They're, they're pretty far along, and GM really wants to see this deal happen. And, and, and by the way, our scoop has been confirmed by the, by, in Europe, you have to confirm scoops by law. Um, yeah, if you're, if you're governed by the takeover. Yeah, PSA exactly. came out with a statement. A little while ago, GM came out with their statement as well. Last question. Uh, was this on our collective global M&A radar? So we started digging around on a deal involving a U.S. company looking at something in France in probably on Friday. So it took us roughly three to four days to, to figure it out. But yeah, this was a very global effort. I think probably 10 different reporters and editors were making calls and putting things together, uh, including Mr. Hammond and David Welch and our, uh, you know, our, our senior people in Europe, etc. That's right. The, the, the combined power of the Bloomberg 
uh, editorial machine coming to work on this one. Jeff McCracken, Ed Hammond, uh, always a pleasure to have you on the show. That's it for this week's episode. Thanks for always just listening, or if this is your first time, thank you for listening. You can hear the show on iTunes. Please subscribe if you haven't already, and also on SoundCloud, Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Terminal, or any app you use to listen to podcasts. And please rate and review the show on iTunes if you have a chance. It helps more people find the podcast. Also, if you have any ideas for future topics or guests, email me at asherman6 at Bloomberg.net. Or just find me on Twitter at Sherman4949. Jeff McCracken is at JC McCracken. And Ed Hammond is at Ed Hammond NY. See you next week.